0: Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what is going on? I'm your host, Chase Coleman, and I'm so happy that you are back here with us today. We we have so much content and so many great guests coming up this year. I'm I'm pumped. I mean, we're, today we're talking to one of my good friends, Cameron Maple. Cameron is, he's a legend in my books. I mean, I met the dude at Coachella, and we'll talk a little bit more about him in general. But let's talk about the craziness of what's going on in this world today, because holy crap. I mean, right now we got the coronavirus, whatever. I mean, that that bad boy, first off... It has not killed or affected as many people as the flu this year, but the media loves to continue to bring things you know, to the forefront and continue to scare us. And with that being said, my office is actually shut down or I'm sorry, not shut down. It's highly encouraged and highly recommended that we work from home. So they're trying to prevent the spread of germs, which I appreciate. People are buying out all the hand sanitizer. I don't know if you guys have been on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook lately seeing how all of these different grocery stores continue to be stocked out. And frankly, I think it's a little ridiculous because I'm like, you know, I'm 25, I'm healthy. If I get a virus, I think my body could beat it out. At least I, I like to think so. But at the same time, like it's just like any other virus y'all. And, and I would just say, don't be too nervous about it personally. I'm not that nervous. Um, so there's the coronavirus update and it's going to be going around for a little while and we're going to continue to hear about it in the news. So that's craziness that's going on. We have the democratic primaries that's going on at the moment. And guys, I'm not even going to talk about politics, but what I will tell you is these debates are freaking hilarious. <laughs> if, if you guys actually watch them, whether you're a Democrat or Republican and independent, they are so funny and watching Trump's tweets about, you know, mini mic and all these different things. Like I really believe that we're living in reality TV right now. And the debates just, they make me laugh because they actually piss me off so much that I'm never going to be able to change it. And I, I would love to. And if I were to set up the, the debate format, what I would do is I would actually have each candidate speak for about 15 minutes on their platform and what they're going to do to change the world or change the United States as the leader of the free world. And then let all of the American people digest that and then say okay, I'm going to make an informed decision based off of what I value rather than hearing people immediately start like going back and forth with each other and blaming other people for whatever it is. And it's, it just seems childish in my opinion. And the debates kind of piss me off, but at the same time, it's the way our country works today. The media truly runs all of that fun stuff. And I, I watch it more for reality TV. Me and my roommate, Thomas laugh our asses off at it. So if you guys get kind of pissed off about politics too, try to see it in a different light and think about it as fun and hilarious because I don't really watch too much reality TV. I won't lie to you guys. I started watching the circle on Netflix and that's as much reality TV as I've gotten. And that show is hilarious. But anyways, we got the debates. And then lastly, a little personal update for you guys. I don't know if any of you guys knew this, but I actually wore glasses ever since I could remember. Um, I'm very, very blind or, I was very, very blind. And over the past couple of weeks, I actually went and had a procedure for my eyes to get fixed, essentially. I got LASIK. I got all laser LASIK. And now I could finally see. It is unreal, y'all. It is the most life-changing thing I've ever done in my life. I had a minus 5.75 prescription. For those who wear glasses, you know that's a pretty damn strong prescription. Like as I'm looking at my tablet sitting right here in front of me, if I didn't have my glasses or my contacts in, back before I had LASIK, I wouldn't even be able to see what's going on. And guys, I'm less than, you know, seven inches away from my tablet. So for me to be able to go through this procedure and as nervous as I was going into it, I changed the surgery date three times. I quite frankly, didn't want to go through with it because I was nervous that I was going to lose my sight or was going to get some crazy side effects. But the reality of, of it is the fact that the procedure only took seven minutes. I think it took eight minutes actually. And I was able to see immediately after. And then also my mom came out from Atlanta to help support me during this time. So that was also awesome. And, you know, I can't, I can't thank her enough. And I truly, it's, it's a blessing one that she was even able to come and be with me during that procedure. She's actually been with me during every surgery that I've had in my past. And lastly, I mean, I got to thank Dr. Sharp for fixing my eyes because this is I'm seeing life in HD, y'all, and this is fantastic. This is awesome. And lastly, before we jump into this interview, I got to mention this. As a huge Drake fan, I got a link sent to me this morning from one of my homies that had the new Drake album on there. And I'm just going to say this now. He is not disappointing us for these summer jams. I'm ready to hit the club. I'm ready to hit the pool parties. I am ready to just dance it out. I mean, if y'all ever saw me in my apartment, which I highly doubt you ever will, I literally dance around this place all the time. And me and Thomas, I mean, shoot, we might need to start a TikTok because we're always just dancing into to different tunes. We make up our own songs. It's just a lot of fun. So Drake, thank you so much. It's about damn time you dropped some new stuff. And I really can't wait to hear that. But switching gears, y'all, let's get into this. I got Cameron Maple. He's currently a, a MBA student at the Wharton School, and if you guys don't know where the Wharton School is, it's at at Penn University, which is an Ivy League school. And he's really going to dive into us for today to help us understand his journey. My man started off as a client services manager working at Facebook. He gra- after he graduated from Princeton and for his undergrad. He worked for Facebook for a good amount of time, and then he ended up embarking on this journey to take essentially two years off of work to go get his master's degree at the Wharton School. I personally have always thought about getting my MBA. I've thought it's something that's important for my career. And also, I just love learning and love education on its own. And Cam really helps not only me understand this, but I think he's going to help all of us understand this. So you know what? Enough of me ranting. Let's get into this. And y'all, as I mentioned, Cameron Maple is the frickin' man. And now we got him on. Cam, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great talking to you. Man, I know we talk about it all the time, but we really do got to get a trip in here soon. I mean, you just went to Africa, and I heard some great news about you coming back to the West Coast, which we'll get into in a little bit. But we got to link up soon because, my man, we always have a good time when we're together.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always a good time.
0: Now... Cam, I've I've told the people a little bit about you, but can you do us a favor and give us like a little bit about your, tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So actually originally born on the West Coast, born in LA, but moved around quite a bit when I was younger, ended up from fifth grade onward living in Philly. Uh, so very big Eagles fan uh, and uh, basically spent my time in Philly and then went to Princeton undergrad. And after Princeton, ended up moving out to the West Coast for two years, spent two years in the Bay Area in San Francisco, and ultimately moved back to New York two years later to uh, ultimately get started at business school.
0: Oh, man, that's sweet. And you're at Wharton Business School, right?
1: Yep. Uh, just started at the Wharton School in August and been here ever since. So already a fourth of the way through or over a fourth of the way through, which is crazy to think about. I'm doing their two-year full-time MBA program and it's flown by. It's been an incredible experience so far.
0: That's awesome. I mean, Cam, I follow you on Instagram. We'll we'll put your Instagram handle in the notes too. So some of the people can see all the fun places you've been. I mean, it looks like you've been to Colombia, right? You went down to South America. Florida. You also went to Africa, going out to Ghana. Like you've had some pretty cool trips and headed I to love tokyo the May,
1: or in march actually so that's coming too
0: see <laughs> like just traveling around the world and i think that's so cool and i think that's also a side benefit that you get from business school right is that you get to kind of take a step back from working full time and then you get to really focus on school and travel is that something that you'd say is is a benefit of of b school
1: yeah absolutely i think you know i know one of the things we've talked about in the past is what the value is of a full-time MBA program versus a part-time program. And one of the biggest ones by far as part of a full-time MBA program is the opportunity to travel, see the world. And it sounds funny. People actually give me a lot of crap about, you know, they're like, what did you even go to class? You're just traveling all the time. But it's actually a really great way to build relationships and get to know people too, seeing different parts of the world and experiencing new cultures. It's, It's been really incredible.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And rewinding just a little bit, we've talked a lot about your transition from working full-time to going to get your MBA full-time, right? And the one thing I've always been super curious about is what made you make that jump? And a lot of the people don't know this, but you were at Facebook and you were kicking ass in your job, right? Like you were killing it as a CSM, a customer a customer service manager. I'm, I'm right on that, right? Or a client, client service manager. manager. Yep. Okay. There we go. And you were killing it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you you decided that you wanted to go back to B school, that you wanted to take the two years off, and that you and I'm not saying two years off as it's like a break, right? Because school full time is like as it says, school full time. But I would love to know what you thought about when you were going through that process of transitioning from working at Facebook to then getting your MBA, and kind of what helped you make that decision that you wanted to go full time and not do a Say evening course or an online course?
1: Yeah, great question. So, give you a little bit of history, real quick, to start. And one of the, so the sort of uh, first exposure that I had to business school actually started while I was still an undergrad, funny enough. So, a friend of mine um, told me about a program called SVMP, Summer Venture and Management Program. And basically, it was a Harvard Business School program where they bring in kids from all over the U.S. Uh, in, in different uh, undergraduate institutions, bring them to Harvard Business School, all expense paid for one week of classes and social activities. And so you get to build your network and get to know a lot of different people. You get exposure to uh, what the Harvard Business School experience is like. But the biggest takeaway for me was actually that business school was something that should be generally just be on my radar as I progress through my career. I hadn't even started with with Facebook at that point didn't even have a job offer with Facebook uh, because I actually was interning in finance the summer before uh, the summer I did the SVMP program before my senior year at school. so went back to school and was like, I'm gonna keep this business school thing in mind for the right time in my career. And so to your point, when I started working at Facebook, Spent two years in San Francisco at their headquarters office out in Menlo Park, was in enjoying the experience a ton, meeting new people, really having great experiences from a job perspective. And then I also had the opportunity to eventually move to New York, where I was managing the relationships with several um, top entertainment television streaming companies. I had been promoted twice, had a really incredible manager, and also had the opportunity to build a program for Social Good, a uh, minority business support program, and was having like the time of my life. But I'd say right before I moved to New York, so I was still living in San Francisco at the time, I just happened to Google search uh, the GMAT, and I had no exposure to the GMAT at this point. It was like, I don't even know what this test means, what it does. And I believe it was January of 2017, if I remember correctly, I literally just signed up for a Manhattan GMAT course on a whim. I literally went to their website and was like, I'm just going to do this. I, I you know, don't have much else going on right now. I, I wasn't loving San Francisco at the time. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually put my time towards this give myself more than enough runway. I was like, I'm not even ready to leave my job yet. I'm like really enjoying it, but I know the point will eventually come where it's time to to do something different. And so I wanna be prepared. So started taking the GMAT and uh, from there actually didn't hit my goal score at all. The GMAT is a whole nother long conversation we could get into, but long story short, because I laid the foundation to be prepared for parts of the application process, when the time came, uh, about a year and a half later, when I was actually applying, I was able to uh, feel fully prepared and, and ready to to make the next steps to to make that all happen.
0: That's awesome. So I didn't, and that's interesting because I didn't know that before you even got your job with Facebook, right? Like when you were still in undergrad, you made that decision that I'm going to go back to B school. This is cool. This is the type of lifestyle that I want to live for for two years, and this is also going to help me dramatically when i come out of working whether it be at facebook or any other tech company right and i love that i think the fact that you made up your mind and made your decision so early in your career and in your in your life to go back and get that get your mba was awesome and we'll we'll get into the whole gmat conversation in a minute but i just think that that's that's sweet and i got to commend you for that because someone like me and i know that other people out there as well who just knew that they wanted to get a job so when i was in college i was like man, I want to graduate. And before I graduate, I want to have a job offer from a big fortune 500 company. And I want to go back and work for one. And then when I started at Starbucks, I realized that I needed to get my MBA if I wanted to get past a certain level. And I always had this kind of like thought in my head that I could be the person who doesn't get their MBA and continues to get promoted and continues to prove that it, through hard work and learning on the fly, and also like continuing to re educate yourself on things that are important and things that are important within the time right now that I'd be able to make it up to a certain level and be able to climb as quickly as I wanted to. But after working in two very big corporations, I realized that an MBA doesn't necessarily like hinder you or it doesn't like stop from like your reputation from growing so much. What it does is it enables you to grow even more. And then also it helps you accelerate your career if you want to. And that's like the way that I've started viewing it. And I'm like you know, whether I'm able to go to a top 25 school or not, I need to go back and get my MBA regardless, but I'm still trying to think through like full-time versus online versus evening classes and where I want to go and all that stuff like that. But my point being is just that I have my question being for you is as someone who's thinking about an MBA kind of later in life, who is a little bit more nervous to jump the gun. And I would say like, Leave my career, which is something that, like, I always wanted to get started to go back and take the time to educate myself. What would you tell me in terms of like the full time MBA versus the online and evening MBAs?
1: Yeah. Hey, that's a heavy hitting question, Chase, but let's get <laughs> <look> into it. <laughs> so, I think my perspective on the MBA and one of the big reasons that I felt like it was the right next step for me was. You think about where you are now, right? You're getting of your career, like getting into that next phase, right? You've you've already moving into your next role, uh, starting with a new company and things like that, and you're trying to build rapport with people, get to know sort of how to navigate this new environment, this new place and an in, in institution, essentially. And you know, one of the things that I think is always important to keep in mind is what the long-term trajectory looks like, both inside the current organization where you sit, but also outside of it. And so for me, one of the reasons that I think an MBA is a really great opportunity is because at particularly the point of the career or of our careers, where I was before I left to come to business school and where you are now, you're just hustling, busting your ass, trying to do as good as you can to get to that next position or that promotion or what have you. And I think it's easy to get lost in that and to lose clarity with regard to what your overall long-term trajectory looks like and where you want to take your career in the long-term. And so for me, I really had to dig deep and think about where I wanted to be, not in two to four years, but in five to 10 years. And I was like, I think having some of the training that the NBA exposes you to would set me up for greater success. And we can get into later too what some of the misconceptions I think I had about coming to business school. But one of the things I'd say is one of the common conversations I have a lot with a lot of my colleagues and friends in business school right now is that there's not a particular skill set that you walk away from business school saying, like, wow, I'm really excited. I know how to like, read a balance sheet or, you know, <laughs> I've had a chance to like learn economics again or whatever, because I didn't pay attention to undergrad. That's not really what you walk away with it from. What I've really valued, and again, first semester of four down, so still have a ways to go. But what I really love is the opportunity to step back from that rat race that is trying to get promoted, trying to move up in your career, trying to get to know people and go to the next step in the next company. And just have the space to think and really strategize for where I want to take my long term career, thinking about questions like what impact do I want to have on the world? what's important to me, both personally, professionally, like what type of friends do I want to have? like what are the relationships I want to value as I continue to go back into the real world and and sort of get back into the rat race of things uh, so. Those are some of the big questions I've been thinking about uh, a lot over the last semester. And I think the NBA gives you time to do that in a way that's much more intentional than you tend to have when you're just kind of on that day-to-day grind working. So yeah. I really value that experience.
0: No, I love that. and I, One, I really appreciate you going into, into depth and detail about that because that helps me think with more clarity about it because to your point, it is you do get stuck in that rat race, right? Like you're at work every day. You're at work more than you see anybody else. Like you see your colleagues more than your family, more than your friends, more than anyone else throughout your life, right? And you're constantly thinking about that next move in efforts for the bigger goal. But as you start thinking about that next move and always wanting to grow, always wanted to get that next, that next position, the higher title, the higher salary, the bigger bonuses, you get lost in the fact that you're like, Wait, what am I doing this for again? And there are times where you have in your career where you take that step back and you try to think through it, but you only have a couple hours before bed to think it through, or you only have like a couple hours throughout the week to think it through. And to your point, an MBA allows you to kind of take that step back and say, "Well, who do I want to be in 5 years? What do what do I want chase to look like in 5 to 10 years or 15 years or 20 years? Or how do I want to think I want to even go about retirement, right? And not necessarily retirement from a saving money standpoint, but what do I want to do in my career for the next 10 to 20 years? That's going to make me happy to the point where I'm like, shit, I don't even want to retire. And I think that (laughs) really helped. I mean, but seriously, and and I've heard that so many times from people who go get their full-time MBA that when they go into it, they are open to trying new things and you go travel the world and you see things from a different perspective. And then they come out and they feel a lot more clearer. And they also have this like, refreshing sense of motivation to go back to work and you're not as jaded as you once were and all these different benefits that that come from it versus the online mba or the evening mbas where it might be better for someone who's maybe a little bit later in life because they have a lot going on they might have a family but for someone who's 25 26 27 it might not be the best decision because sure you might miss out on two years of a salary but the experience you gain in that type of currency that you that you gain from it is invaluable. And then also like throw on the networking aspect of it too, right? Which, and you tell me this, Cam, like how many people are in your guys' cohort and how many people are like new friends to you that you interact with that you'll probably stay friends with through, you know, not only B-School, but beyond that?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So there's about 840 or so in my overall class. And one of the things I really love about Worden is actually that they break you down into smaller subgroups of the larger class. So I am also a member of what's called a cluster. So that's about 200-ish people. Uh, And so cluster, there are four clusters. And they each have a different mascot, uh, so I'm repping the Tigers for the second time, which is dope. Um, but and and then we're broken down into cohorts, which is where you take a lot of your first year classes uh, with that group of people. That's probably somewhere in the range of about 90, and then you have what's called a learning team, which is a group of six people, including yourself, where you're meant to do different group projects with. Get to know them. You go through uh, this like leadership training class in the summer, which is really fun and it's kind of secretive. You keep it you're not supposed to share it with or information about it with uh, the next class, so they can have the full experience too. But you're going through this gauntlet basically with these five people, and it really makes you pretty close pretty quickly. So um, as far as the number of people I'm friends with, like I've probably gotten to know at least a fourth of the class. I'd say. Um, you know, not well, because there's just so many people that I'm still getting to know, still going on those trips with, you know, still going to small group dinners, which is a big thing here and, and things like that. So, uh, but I have a core group of friends that's probably about 20 people. Um, we all just kind of hit it off and have a lot in common. And I'll definitely end up staying close with those people from, from what I can tell um, basically forever from here on out. We've had a really great experience getting to know each other.
0: That's sweet. And I asked that question because the one thing that I always kind of hammer on is the fact that networking is a skill set that everybody needs to obtain if you want to be successful in whatever career field it is, right? And when I think about how we met Cam, we met at Coachella, having a blast. And now, like, I have a brother for life, right? Like, I have a friend that I can call on for anything. And we've talked about work. We've talked about love life. We've talked about, I mean, anything under the sun, like, you can name it. Right, And I've only known you for a couple of years, but it feels like I've known you for forever and when you're able to build relationships with people, whether it be going to events like Coachella or going to school with them and also going through some tough times with them as well, right like and I say tough, like some stressful times, I mean, and you become close to the point where you're willing to help them at any point in time, and whether it be they're going to the hospital because there something wrong happened that was unfortunate or whether it be the opposite and they need help with their career or they just need some advice or they're looking for a job and they're like, Hey Cam, man, like, you know, I saw a couple of roles open at Facebook. I'd be really interested in them. Like, what's your perspective? Do you think I have a chance? Right. And then getting people introduced and it just opens up a wide variety of things for you, not only in your social and your, your life in general, but also for your career. And I just think that that's the one cool thing is the fact that you have these 20, this group of friends that's, consists of 20 amazing professional young people, but you also know like a quarter of your class, which is like a hundred plus people. So that's additional people that you could always call on and say, Hey man, like I just need some advice or I need some help or whatever it may be. But I think that that's like, I personally think it's the coolest thing that comes out of like MBAs and all that, uh, like prior education after bachelor's.
1: Absolutely. And for that reason, I think if you can spare the time away from work, Financially, you feel like you're in a good enough place to be able to to make the move and uh, and you have the support systems in place or, you know, whether that be family or friends or um, one of the best parts of my uh, sort of just getting ready uh, for the MBA and the application experience was actually joining a program called MLT uh, Management Leadership for Tomorrow Anybody who's listening to this right now, um, it's it, it's for specifically for underrepresented groups to increase the number of uh, those in underrepresented groups that are in business school, and it really changed my I'd say my business school trajectory just because I not only had the opportunity to get to know a bunch of really cool people that I'm now actually very close with here at Warden too. Um, so you end up going to school with a lot of the people that you're preparing through for the process with, but it just gives you broader exposure to just how to think about preparing in the overall application process. And so whatever your support system ends up being, I think you should definitely have one as you prepare for the MBA process, because it is very tough. It's very trying and, you know, causes you to question your you know, readiness or, you know, um, sadly I'd say in some cases your, your own worth, but you have to have those people there to, to really push you forward and be like, Hey man, like you deserve this and just keep working at it. So, um, I'd say, I love that.
0: I love that. And speaking on that cam, the MLT, I've done a lot of research into it, but when you were preparing for the GMAT and then also preparing for your MBA and getting in, I mean, the MBA process, right? Like application process and all that fun stuff that comes along with it you're at a world-renowned school in Wharton it's at Penn it's I mean shoot the president of the United States went to Wharton and prove tell me if I'm wrong but I mean yeah but I mean I mean realistically right (laughs) like not even talking about like him politically but the stature of what he has right now like he went to that school and that that carries a lot of weight with it so When you talk about the MLT, what other things did you do to help prepare yourself for the GMAT to get your score to the score that you wanted? And then also, when preparing to apply for schools like Wharton or Harvard Business School or any other top 25 school, what was like your process and your thought process as you were getting ready to, to embark on this journey?
1: Yeah. I, so I would say on the GMAT, which for many people and having been surrounded by a lot of people throughout the application experience, a lot of people, it's one of the biggest roadblocks that they encounter, right? It's like the hardest thing to get over and to get past. And that was certainly the case for me because it's never been that hard for me to pump out an essay or you know share my perspective or communicate. I love communicating with people and getting to know people, building relationships. So That part of the process was not hard for me, but the GMAT was. Uh, I think, as I mentioned, giving your so my first tip is to give yourself enough time to not feel pressure on the GMAT. So I started my GMAT process like basically two years out just because I on a whim signed up for this GMAT prep course, as I said. Um, But I still felt like I wish I had more time because there are going to be ebbs and flows with not only how dedicated you are, quite frankly, to the MBA process overall or the GMAT specifically, but there's also going to be tough times and easy times in your life that happen over the course of the preparation period that you just can't anticipate. Um, And so to give yourself more time to get ready is, is just my biggest first tip. And then also I'd say figuring out what works for you. I mean, you know, I did some tutoring. I did the, you know, big group class. I did a lot of self-studying. And the funny thing is that um, I actually took it multiple times. It's what, you know, people tend to recommend. And the last time I took it, I actually decided I was gonna go back to basics. I was like, you know, the SAT, was kind of a similar story and um, I want to like kind of try to replicate that last SAT attempt. So I was like, I'm going home, came home to Philly, slept in my own bed the night before, like, you know, had a great breakfast, parents dropped me off and that actually ended up being my best attempt. And I actually would say I studied less for that attempt than other ones, um, which I think goes to my next point, which is the GMAT is totally mental. Uh, as are most things, as I'm discovering in business school too, most things in life I think are come down to your mental toughness and the way that you approach problems. And the end of the day, the GMAT is just a mental game. And so figuring out what you need to do, what type of environment you need to be in to do your best and try to have some fun with it. You know, um, as crazy as that sounds, like I studied with friends sometimes, like, Sometimes I do it alone. I'd sometimes study before work, sometimes after work. And I think the last tip I'd say is just be kind to yourself too. You know, there are days where you come home and you're like, the last thing in the world that I want to do is open a GMAT book. And you just don't do it. But that doesn't mean, you know, that you're going to fail the GMAT. It just means you got to get up tomorrow, the next day and like get started again. So, um, so yeah, that's. that's kind I of love
0: that, and be nice to yourself. That's something that I think kind of goes through for not only the GMAT but your whole life, right? It's like you can't be too hard on yourself because at the end of the day, like life is short, and you you want to do what's best for yourself. But you also have to realize that those sacrifices that you're making to continually grow and do what you want to do, what's best for yourself, is sometimes you need to rest, and sometimes you need to take a break. Sometimes you need that mental break, and like you said you know what it today is the last right, like right now is the last time that I ever want to open up my GMAT book. So I'm going to wake up early and do it tomorrow morning. And I'm not going to think about it for the rest of the night. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to turn on a movie. I'm going to play some video games. I'm going to do whatever it is, but not open up my damn GMAT book because I don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Because the funny thing is, if you spend your time beating yourself up, not only did you not make progress on your goal, but you also had a really bad time like doing whatever it was you were doing. So (laughs) you kind of ruined the situation from both ends. That's the way I started to look at it. So I try to commit all in when you're trying to have a good time, want to have fun, want to take some time off, just really enjoy that and then get back to it the next day or next time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And Cam knowing that you did a lot of things getting ready to apply for business school. And then also you joined consortium. Correct.
1: So I actually, I applied to the consortium, which is a really incredible program. So the way that consortium works is you actually apply um, to, it's sort of like the common app for, um, for undergrad, uh, the or common app version of, of eSchool apps. So you can apply to multiple schools at once. Um, it's, it's definitely one thing that I recommend. And if you do get the consortium scholarship, um, that actually counts as a full ride to the schools that, uh, that you're applying to so, uh, or the school that you, you've been accepted to. So that's another really great program for underrepresented groups. And I know a lot of people that have had really, really great okay. experiences. Okay,
0: through. I just didn't want to like state something that was wrong because I know that you did a lot. And I would love to hear more about what you did when you were applying for B school and like all the different ways that you were able to try to go to school for as cheap as possible. Right. Because Wharton definitely isn't cheap when it comes to touching our pockets, but I know that you're, you're like a scholarship man. And when it comes down to it and when it comes down to like looking for different ways to be, you know, involved with scholarships or something of that sort, like I, I come to you when it comes to some advice. So I would love to hear more about, what you did leading up to applying for B-School and then also how you've been able to maybe recoup some of that money back. So you don't have as much debt coming out.
1: Yeah. So I'd say first and foremost, putting together a financial plan, understanding how much you want to spend looking at your savings and really thinking about, um, you know, the entire experience is really important so uh, a lot of my friends and I joke that we're loan rich right now. <laughs> it's going to come back to buy. us, of course got to pay that debt back, but are uh, off. But at the end of the day, you want to also really enjoy your experience because you, it allows you to get to know people and build those relationships. And so uh, one thing I'd say is plan for the entire experience. So for example, if you're going on trips, right? There tend to be probably, I'd say anywhere from, Five to ten trips a year, um, domestic and abroad, and so you want to be prepared to uh, to be able to foot those bills as well. So thinking about um, also living expenses, bringing your lunch every day, or you know cooking—it's been a way to like cut back and stuff for me uh, on spending. But thinking about those things too is really important. So I'd sit down a lot. Of, a lot of websites, so Warren specifically, actually has a templated budget. That that's is cool. pretty accurate, I'd say. So you can get a sense of what people spend on housing, what they spend on dining, what they spend on travel. Um, so that's a really important thing to consider, too, and a good way to start your financial planning approach. Uh, as far as the scholarship, so the way that scholarships tend to work for business school is um, it's not like you're applying to them in the same way as you would for undergrad but uh, a lot of them are merit-based scholarships. And so based on your application and um, merit, essentially they will assign you a scholarship or not. Um, The other program, as I said, consortium, you apply to um, that program as well. And depending on how it pans out with the schools that you apply to, you can get a full ride through consortium. Um, And then there's need-based aid as well that um all schools provide um, based on on your need and your gotcha
0: gotcha that's so cool and that's thank you that was super helpful super helpful and I got one last question before I gotta let you go cam and that's if me and you never met before we just got into an elevator and I look at you and I go damn you look like a really smart guy could you give me three to five tips or pieces of advice on call it anything, whether it be getting your MBA, your career, or just life in general, what would you give to me?
1: That's a really great question. I'd say, so first piece of advice is to just be intentional. And what I mean by that is, I think it's so easy to go through life and this process specifically uh, or other things and to lose direction or not really have a sense of where you're ultimately going. And so I'm a strong believer in always having a game plan. So I think it's really important to be intentional and set those goals early and really try and prepare. I'm like chronic over prepare for things, but it's the way that I am. It's, it's been pretty successful so far, but um, I'd say definitely be intentional about planning out uh, what your goals and next steps are and you know building in time and uh, preparation for things not going your way too. Um, I'd say on the flip side of that second piece of advice, which is going kind to of totally contradict what I just said, but being open to life directing you too. I think when, you know, I imagine if you're Audience is anything like you, you know, really high achieving people that have really strong goals and uh, approaches to life. And But sometimes you actually get a lot out of life by just like sitting and listening and just being directed by, um, by where life takes you. I think that's really important too. And I'd say the third piece of advice that I learned firsthand uh, at Facebook, actually, my first job uh, was to really just be okay with failure. It's probably hard for, you know, anyone to ever enjoy failing, but if you can approach situations with a mindset where you ultimately feel good enough about yourself and your ability to make, you know, the best of situations, being okay with failure, I think opens you up to a lot of really great opportunities and moments that ultimately make you better, uh, better for it. And so strong believer in even doing your best to create an environment for others, where it's okay to fail and you support each other and help pick them up. So a lot of that happens throughout the business school process. And so I think it's important. I
0: love that. I love that. Cam, thank you so much, man. This was such an enlightening show. I have a lot of shit on my mind right now because you've made me think about so much. And I, I hope everybody else who's listening to this does too, because this is this was a thought provoking show. Damn. I mean, the way you think, the way you attack things, I've always loved it. I've always been, I mean, shoot, when we first met, I was like immediately attracted to you in terms of like the energy that you brought and just kind of like how you've always gone about things and how funny and giddy you are at times, man. I mean, honestly, like this was, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thanks for having me on, Chase. I'm honored to be able to be on Millennial Way. I've been a long-term listener, so really proud of what you guys are doing with the show,
0: so keep it up. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Millennial Way, and check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com, where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is The Millennial Way, tailoring the next generation of leaders.